This episode of the CPA Reviewed Podcast is brought to you by my company, Ninja CPA Review, where you can get all Ninja materials under our new Ninja monthly plan for one low monthly price, which is cheaper than a cup of coffee per day. And Ninja monthly works with any CPA review course, or it can be used standalone for standalone study. So if you like your course, you can keep it. If you hate your course, well, you can ditch it and go 100% Ninja. And the best part, there is no commitment. So this is not a financing plan. So Ninja is the only monthly plan that lets you walk away after one month, no questions asked, for any reason whatsoever. Every other monthly plan out there locks you into at least $1,500 to $3,000, and you can't walk away. So, But with Ninja, you can. And if you try it, and if you hate it, hey, shoot me an email. I will refund your money. And so there's literally no reason not to become a ninja right now. So right now, this very second, hit pause and go to another71.com forward slash ninja and then sign up and then hit play and then listen to the rest of the podcast. Now, after you sign up, shoot me an email, jeff at another71.com. That's jeff at another71.com and let me know that you listened to the podcast and became a ninja. And I promise I will reply. And while you are shooting me an email, tell me your story. I want to hear it. Okay, that's it. Hit pause. Go sign up to be a ninja. Shoot me an email. And I will see you in the dojo. The following is general advice only and should not be construed as accounting, legal, or any other professional advice. The details of your situation are fact-dependent and you are advised to seek the help of a competent professional. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to another action edition of the CPA Reviewed Podcast, where we talk about life, accounting, and the CPA exam. Welcome to episode number 85. As always, I'm your humble host, Jeff Elliott, a licensed CPA in the state of Kansas, by the grace of God and to the chagrin of many. On today's episode, we have a few questions. Hopefully, I have a few answers. If, if you want to be on the show, you can go to another71.com, click in the upper nav, ask Jeff, and your question will appear in a future edition of the podcast. And as always, if you are a Ninja Monthly member, you can uh, submit, submit your question through the dojo and your question will move to the top of the list. So let's get started. A question that comes up a lot is, what is the CPA exam score release? Like, what is it? People sign up to take the exam, the CPA exam, and when it comes to score release, they don't really understand what it is. So I just want to, I'm going to quickly break down exactly what is the CPA exam score release. So here we go. When you go to Prometric, so you go to Prometric because you signed up through NASBA to take the CPA exam. Now, so you, you go to Prometric because NASBA gives you permission. However, the CPA exam is administered by the AICPA. So the AICPA is in charge of the test, of the CPA exam, and in charge of the content 
NASBA is the one that gives you permission to walk in and Prometric is the entity that, that records your exam. After you take your exam, things get a little complicated. So the scores go to NASBA after that. And when, when people get upset with the AICPA about score release, it's actually not the AICPA that is releasing the scores. It is NASBA. Now, to further complicate things, it's not always NASBA that is releasing the scores to the candidates. If you are an independent state like California and Illinois and a handful of others, then your own individual state board of accountancy is releasing the scores to you. Now, um, those in NASBA states, so it used to be that the independent CPA exam states got their scores first. But then there's little, and so there was an advantage to being in Illinois or California or whatever, but then there was a little switcheroo uh, a few years back, and now it's NASBA that's been releasing the scores first. And so NASBA people get their scores, and then soon thereafter, independent states like California and Illinois, they release their CPA exam scores after that. So... NASBA gives you the permission to take the exam. You take, you take the exam at Prometric. The, AIC, the content all belongs to the AICPA. Then the scores go to NASBA. Then NASBA sends the scores uh, to the independent states for those indie states. NASBA releases the scores to the what I call the NASBA states. Independent states release their scores. And that is how the CPA exam score release works. However, <laughs> there's a new wrinkle. The, I was listening to, I believe it was the Journal of Accountancy podcast, and uh, I think it was Mike Decker that was on. Anyway, the AICPA is considering year-round testing, so doing away with what they call the testing windows. And so they're, they're talking about continual testing. That's something that they're considering. And they're also talking about Possibly, let, so if you go in, take an exam, get your score and fail, they're discussing the possibility of people being able to then retake their exam within the same testing window. And that would be huge. And so, you know, no longer, so if you, if you go in and take BEC and fail it, and then whatever, 20 days later it comes out, um, you could jump right back in there and take your exam again and not have to study all over. I always tell people when they retake an exam, they're not three, quote, points away because it's been like a month, month and a half since you took your exam. Now, this would cut way back on the re-studying time if you fail, if you can jump right back in there and take your exam. And I think it would cut way down on the average um tenure of a of a CPA candidate and and I think people would get through the exam a lot faster. So that's a great development. So hope that explains exactly what the CPA exam score release is and I hope that's helpful. Ninja Monthly member James writes in, I just logged in and wanted to study regulation for the upcoming exam cycle. However, I am seeing start studying reg 2018. Is this for CPA test takers taking the exam this year. Uh, yes, it is. 
But I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about the tax law for regulation. So if you're taking a 2018 section of regulation, then you're actually studying ostensibly 2017 tax law because the 2018 tax law is not going to be tested on the CPA exam until 2019. It's a bit confusing, but because of all the tax reform stuff, essentially the 2017 tax law. So what has been tested since July 1st, 2017 on the CPA exam for regulation will be tested until December 10th, give or take 2018 for the regulation section of the CPA exam. So um, yes, you are in the right place. And again, 2018 regulation is studying 2017 tax law. Alex writes in, hey Jeff, how are you? So I took FAR a couple weeks ago. If I pass it, then I'll be done. If not, I'm going to have to retake FAR, obviously, but also BEC. I purchased some Ninja products for you in the past. I've used Roger's CPA review as well. I probably shouldn't even be thinking about what my study plan will be like if I didn't pass. I know I'll probably get Ninja MCQ and get cray-cray with those, but my question is, in your experience, what has been the longest you recall someone going through the studying process? For me, I'm not very bright. It's been over four years now, and I haven't taken breaks. I mean, my family and I have gone on vacation for a week here and there, but my process has been consistent over four years since I began studying. I think I took a year, it took me a year originally to pass my first section, regulation, which then expired before passing any other sections. Then I passed BEC, I retook reg, passed it, then at some point passed odd, and now I'm auditing, now I'm on to far. Overall, I've sat 19 times. 19. Have you ever heard of such ridiculousness? Just venting. Thanks for your time. Alex gives his last name. CP. Can't put that A on there yet. All right. Um, first thing, Alex, uh, you said that you're not very bright. That's not true because, um, you know, well, first of all, passing the CPA exam is not a test of intelligence, it's a test of perseverance. Um, so, there's there's all sorts of people who pass a CPA exam that you probably would not want running your business, and there's all sorts of people who are struggling struggling with the CPA exam who would who you, who you would want uh, running your business, and um, you know it's a it's a test of work ethic, it's a test of endurance, it's a test of perseverance, it's a test of uh, intestinal fortitude. Um, so the longest I've ever heard is. Uh, there was a lady who, um, a couple years back, her name was Joe Joe Marie. She was a blogger, and she either took it twenty three times or thirty times. I forget which. But regardless, she passed the CPA exam and presumably is a licensed CPA today. I haven't kept up with her, um, but like some people, like if you're going to work in tax and let's say you score a 90 on regulation, but you really struggle with financial accounting and reporting and you really struggle with auditing and like, and just, um, you know, managerial accounting, like just doesn't click with you. Does that mean that you're not going to be a good tax person? Does that, no. And, and so 
the CPA exam is your ability to test a set of facts and then go in and walk into a parametric testing center and barf it out on exam day. And that's what it is. It's a, it's a, um, it's a standardized test um, under standardized conditions. And it, 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 it's your ability to, to learn stuff, memorize stuff, go take the exam. I mean, it's not as if people who pass the CPA exam then are all of a sudden experts in their area. Passing the CPA exam means that you meet the minimum requirements to serve the public interest. It's only, only the beginning. So whether or not you take it four times, nine times, 19 times, um, you know, there's, it, it, it doesn't mean, it's not a, it's not a testament to your intelligence or your lack thereof. You are, you're staring at someone who uh, took 14 exam sections and, uh, you know, some, there's a contingency out there who think that it's a, it's probably a crime that I, <laughs> that I teach uh, CPA exam stuff and I, and, uh, you know, what business do I have giving CPA exam advice and all this stuff? Well, um, I know, I know what it's like to, uh, to have a family, work full time and be smart enough to pass, but not really want to put in the time, not, not really want to do, you know, do the work. And that was my problem until I decided to have some work ethic. And then I, you know, and then I, then I passed. And, uh, so, and <laughs> the fact the fact that another 71 is the most visited CPA exam site on the planet planet is a testament is a it is a testament to the fact that God has a sense of humor, and uh, so um, so that's what I attribute that to um, and His blessing. But as far as you, hey, let's assume that you passed far, and if not, it's not the end of the world. You've taken a bunch of exam sections. You can take a few more. I, uh, so my story is similar. I passed far and then celebrated by taking a year off and then I lost far. And then, you know, so I was so excited about passing far that I just, you know, I decided to celebrate as if I had passed the entire CPA exam and then I had to restudy. And so you, you will be fine. Um, no one is ever going to ask you, um, how many times, unless it's like a, a jerky uncle at at Thanksgiving who took the CPA exam back in the day when you had to sit in a hotel conference room and you had two number two pencils and you can only take it twice a year and you had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to, to take your exam. Uh, so your jerky uncle may ask you how many times it's taken you to pass it. And then your nosy coworker who has nothing else going on in their life but worrying about what everyone else in the office is doing and, uh, and what in the world you're doing. So no one else is going to ask you how many times you took the CPA exam. I have my CPA exam scores up on my site front and center how many times it took me just because I keep it real, I guess. And, uh, and also, if people are struggling, like you, hey, I've been there. I get it. I'm on the other side of things. I made about every mistake. So every mistake that you're making, I likely did it. And, um, and then every piece of, every piece of success that you're looking to have, I also did that as well. So it's all part of my story. And I think you are going to have a successful story as well. Ninja monthly member Assad writes in, is there an efficient way to remembering the overhead variances 
for BEC. I'm kind of lost. Okay, I've heard people tell me that the Sam, Sal, and Oat mnemonics in the Ninja Notes <clears throat> save them on exam day. So here they are. You have your material variances for Sam, labor variances for Sal, and overhead variances for Oat. So here they are. Material variances, Sam. Standard material costs minus actual material costs equals material variance. So the SAM is standard actual material. Standard material costs minus actual material costs equals material variance. Then you have your labor variances for SAL. Standard labor costs minus actual labor costs equals labor variance. So your SAL is standard actual labor. Okay. Then overhead variances, which is OAT. Overhead applied minus actual overhead cost equals total overhead variance. So the OAT is overhead, actual, total. Now I tell people in the Ninja Audio to picture Sam, Sal, and OAT, three mischievous cats <laughs> getting into stuff. So uh, again, Sam. Standard actual material. Sal for labor. Standard actual labor. And then oat. Overhead, actual, and total. And again, people have said that saved me on exam day. And I hope that helps you as well. Ninja Monthly member Corey says, With business law being about 10 to 20% of the content of the CPA exam, I am curious to why almost 40% of the Ninja MCQ are business law. Well, when you take into account 10 to 20% of the CPA exam is, is uh, or the regulation section of the CPA exam is, is ethics, and 10 to 20% is business law, like it could be up to 40%. So when the exam made the shift and, and kind of ratcheted down some of the percentages, all of the exam providers had a choice. Do they, do they get rid of a bunch of business law questions and purge them from the database? Or would CPA candidates rather have more questions? Now, granted, it, it takes, like, if you're trying to get, like, to the end of all the questions, it, it's more questions to get through. But I think, I think most, most CPA candidates would rather have more questions than have some of them um, just selectively purged from the from the database. So that's why. So on in Ninja MCQ, yeah, right now, like uh, between the ethics and the business law, it's like forty four percent. And um, but hey, on one side, on on one side of the equation, it's it's probably overbalanced. On the other side, business law is the section that people tend to kind of gloss over because they're so worried about tax. And, you know, tax is, tax is tough, but if you forego studying for business law, you're going to fail regulation. So, I don't know. It, it, uh, it, I guess maybe it, it balances out a little bit there because uh, especially if, you are, if you're not drilling down by topic, if you're having the, the software feed you the questions, then you'll see more business law questions and you're less apt to, over, to overlook it. But, um, but that's why 
about 40, 44% of the business law questions of the questions in Ninja MCQ are business law, and it's a little bit overweighted, but I think that's okay. Ninja Monthly member Philip says, Hi Jeff, I'm finding some multiple choice questions that are not discussed in my Ninja study materials, and I'm starting to worry about it. Any thoughts? Uh, that is actually normal. So your average CPA review course, they have a massive book, and it has everything in it. It has not only the kitchen and the kitchen sink and the instructions for installing the garbage disposal. It's got everything. They leave nothing to chance. Every FASB ever conceived is in that book, and it's 3,000 pages. That's why you pay them $2,000 to tell you uh, what parts of the book you <clears throat> should ignore. Now, that's why I made the Ninja book. It's like, instead of needing a $2,000 course, why not just have a better book? So that's what the Ninja book is. It's roughly half the size of your average CPA review textbook. Now, that doesn't mean that when you do that, that you, that you sacrifice um, including some of the material. So there are some nuanced things in the Ninja book that you will not, that, that, are, that are still tested in the MCQ that you haven't previously covered. And so that's why doing the multiple choice, doing Ninja MCQ, or even whatever test pick you use, the multiple choice are an integral part of the learning. So even in your $2,000 CPA review course, the instructor does not and cannot cover every single nuanced question, every little quirk, every little hiccup of dollar value lipo. Uh, they cannot cover it all. And so again, it's cost versus benefit constraint. And so the MCQ, it's an integral part of the learning process. And so you, you need to treat your MCQ, whatever platform you use, as just part of learning the concepts. You're not testing yourself. There's only one time that you should test yourself, and that's when you walk in on exam day. People disagree with me, and that's fine. Uh, I've held that belief for 10 years, and I still hold it today. Um, you, shouldn't, you should not do practice, practice exams. They don't tell you anything. They don't tell you how exam ready you are because they don't use the same um, psychometric stuff that the AICPA uses. You need to spend that time um, cranking MCQs and study mode. Okay, I missed this. Here's the explanation. Hmm, I need to jot that down. And so if there's some little, some little nuance about corporate AMT that you didn't read about, you didn't cover, um, that's fine. It's right there in that, in that multiple choice question and it's staring you right in the face and you need, you need to write that little blurb down and just remember it. It just takes one sentence and move on and don't worry about it. Um, your CPA review course cannot cover every single little, every single nuance that the AICPA can throw at you, but you know, they can get it, uh, they can cover 80% of it and you can score an 80, 85 on exam day and that's good. And uh, that's good enough. Ninja Monthly member Dan says, I've been reading the BEC Ninja book, but just clicked on the Ninja videos and it suggests nailing the videos first. Am I studying out of order? I have my exam early July and I feel like I'm making little progress on the book. Well, the videos that I think he's talking about is my how to pass video and it talks about nailing the videos. Um, I've since revised that to nailing the concepts because people who are studying with just the Ninja book, they don't need to nail the videos, they need to nail the concepts. Or if you're just using some other 
CPA review book and no videos, um, then you then you need to nail the concepts. So nail the concepts, intense notes, nonstop MCQ, just rewrite your notes, and then it all comes together. That's the Ninja Framework. If you don't have the Ninja Framework, you can get it on another71.com. It's 100% free. But um, the Ninja materials are not free, but the framework is. Um, of course, we also have some free downloads, so you can check it out. Uh, so if you, all right, so if Dan is, an, is a Ninja Monthly member, so the confusion is you have the Ninja book and the Ninja Plus videos, and so how do those fit in? Well, you can use the Ninja Plus videos as part of the nail the concepts, the first step, but I recommend that people um, nail the concepts with the book, and then later on in the review phase, when in the A, it all comes together, um, you can either watch all the videos if you have time, you probably won't. And so then in which case you would um, pick and choose your weakest topics. So BEC, let's say you're weak in cost accounting and financial management. Everyone is weak in cost accounting and financial management, so everyone should probably watch those videos. Um, so as part of your review, that's where the videos come into play. If you find yourself getting bogged down in the book, you need to you need to set a study schedule. So, hey, I have six weeks until my exam, or originally six weeks. I have four weeks left, and I'm only I'm, I'm still in the book, and so I need to get through the book in the next six days. And I have 400 pages left, so 400 divided by six, whatever the math is on that. Um, so that's the pace that you need to keep per day, and no matter what, if you have to skim. If you have just just read the bold stuff, get through that many pages a day, take notes, and then move on to the next day, and you have to keep pace. And then after those six days or whatever number you figure out, after those six days are up, then you put the book away and you never touch it again, and you move on to the next step, the MCQ, uh, because the MCQ is your safety net. It will it will catch the the topics that you missed out on, the topics that you had to skim over, because if it's in the MCQ. Like you know, you need to know it for the exam. And so, hey, I missed I missed this question. I'm gonna I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna write a little little fact nugget down. And then, so if you find yourself getting bogged down in the in the conceptual phase in the book, then move on to the MCQ and let that be your safety net. And because the MCQ is the most critical part of the whole thing, and and continue to take notes over the MCQ. So don't get bogged down. Don't worry about it. Just move on. It's similar to taking the exam. If right out of the gate on the exam, on, on your actual exam, you're like you're you're three minutes into question one, and you can't get, and it's it's a calculation, and you can't get any of the numbers to come out, and, and you're freaking out, and you're hitting minute five, and you're only question one. The average, the AICPA says that the average question takes two minutes, and like in, in a live exam setting, well, you just more than doubled it. You have to pick a pick B or C and move on. And if you get yourself, if you find yourself getting bogged down on the actual CPA exam, pick something and move on. You have to keep pace. If you find yourself getting bogged down in your study plan, just move on because getting bogged down and being obsessive compulsive about it is going to is going to cost you. Um, it's going to mess up your, is going to sabotage your, your study plan, just like getting OCD about one particular question on exam day will throw off your entire exam experience and you'll probably fail. So don't make that mistake. All right, well, that does it for this 
episode of CPA Reviewed. If you want to be on the show, you can go to another71.com, click in the upper nav, click Ask Jeff, and your question will appear in a future edition of the podcast. And of course, if you are a Ninja Monthly member, submit your question through the dojo, and it will move to the top of the list. And until next time, everyone, be good, take care, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>